Meet the Skywalkers by Frodogenic. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 13. Welcome back, sir. Venka seized Piet's hand and pumped it like a man trying to bail out a sinking rowboat. Piet cast sharp looks at the rest of the side party assembled to welcome him back to the executor. She'd looked like she was still a going concern, as much as he'd been able to see of her on the shuttle hop over from the Fidelity. Appearances, of course, could be deceiving. Thank you, Captain, he said, extracting his slightly numb fingers. It's good to be back. Whatever had Venka in a dither, it almost certainly began with a Darth and ended with a Vader, unless, of course, it began with a Luke and ended with a Skywalker, or, gods help them all, both of them at once. Well, if there was anything he'd learned in thirty years under Lord Vader, it was that there was no point paying for trouble before it came due. I trust, he lied through his teeth, you experienced no serious difficulties in my absence. Venka's smile looked rather on the wan side. All as well as can be expected, sir. Wonderful. I can see I'm not needed here. Wonderful. I can see I'm not needed here. Forced smiles and painfully obligatory laughter ensued. Piet cast a regretful glance toward the puffy young New Republic ensign pushing a hovercart full of his baggage out of the shuttle. Ever since about four hours into the jump to Quat, when the threat of nap time had prompted Ben to stage an impressive dramatization of the phrase Tempest in a teacup complete with whirling airborne debris, he'd nursed fond hopes of unwinding for an hour or two in his own quarters with a well-deserved glass of the fifty-year hapen blue cane rum that Aaron Kraken had given him as a parting bribe. But when one allowed two Skywalkers free reign of one ship for a standard month, consequences ensued. Someday he thought wistfully. Surely he'd earn a distant rest some day. Well, gentlemen, I shan't keep you from your duties any longer. We still have a great deal of preparation ahead of us if we're going to make the scheduled jump window. Captain, if you'll come with me and bring me up on our status. Of course, sir. And Lieutenant Gores, if you would direct the ensign to my quarters with the luggage, accepting this, he fished quickly in the topmost locker and extracted the princess's security case. Though she hadn't said anything about it being an urgent message, delay was never advisable where Lord Vader's paternal sensibilities were involved, so he tucked the capsule into his uniform chest pocket and proceeded with Venka to the turbo lifts, the rest of the men hanging respectfully back for the next lift. The car hatch had barely sealed itself before Piet cleared his throat. All right, what's he up to? Uh, not much, sir. Piet reached out and pressed the brake, jolting them both slightly. Venka, how long have you and I known Lord Vader? Venka shifted nervously. Ah, oh, nearly thirty years, sir. And when, in all that time, has he ever been up to not much? Venka clung to an increasingly precarious calm. Well, of course, he's busy, sir, but it isn't anything mission-critical, I assure you. Piet did not care for that pleading tone. What isn't mission-critical? Well, the, uh, you must understand. I did try, sir, truly. Our scores— but it's not as though I stood a chance against both of them, is it? I'm sure you can requisition another one somewhere. Venka, stop blathering and tell me what's going on. Venka gathered himself again and shook his head grimly. You'll see, sir. He keyed a new destination into the car's control panel and deactivated the brake. Three minutes later, they stepped out into the corridor leading into the old black ops hangar. Piet peered out into it as they passed the deck-level observation windows toward the entrance, and a beat later stopped in his tracks.
Sir? Master Skywalker's yacht is gone. Vanka backtracked and followed his gaze to the empty pad beside Vader's Lambda shuttle. Odd. I thought they had another test flight scheduled in a few minutes. Piet's gaze glazed over for a spellbound moment of pure, unalloyed dread. Test flight. Vanka looked guilty as hell. I, I did want to warn you, sir, but Lord Vader insisted that it was a, a, a surprise. A surprise. A shuffling. Yes, sir. Piet pinched the bridge of his nose. Damn him, and his damned surprises— Admiral! If he had had a laser measure handy, he could have proven that Venka's boots actually left the deck plates by a fraction of a millimeter. Firmus W. Piet, however, was not going to give Darth Criffing Vader the satisfaction if it bloody well killed him. He turned at the most leisurely pace he could without being accused of disrespect or a guilty conscience. Vader was looming practically on their heels, one thumb stuck in his belt, a double-length hydrospanner hanging in his free hand, and a smug-as-hell expression somehow superimposed over his mask. "'My lord, I see you've been keeping your hand in.' Venka made a borderline supersonic squeak of dismay. He had never figured out that this was, usually, just one of Vader's games. The man liked a challenge." and if he could give himself one while simultaneously upending his subordinate's assumptions about how sneaky a bastard a two-meter, 120-kilo, respirator-reliant force of nature could be, so much the better. "'You are late,' he boomed, nearly skewering Piet with the hydro-spanner. "'You received approval for a two-standard week, temporary duty assignment. It has been over twice that length of time.' Venka's face went whiter than one of the princess's dresses but Piet just clasped his hands behind his back and projected the aggressive imperturbability that used to leave Ozel frothing at the mouth. Yes, sir. Regrettably, the negotiations took rather longer than we— You will notice! Vader boomed over top of him, still wagging the hydro-spanner at Piet's nose. That I have commanded this ship for four consecutive weeks without your assistance. Piet enforced his straight face with difficulty. Nice though it was to have this proof that Vader was pleased, all right, less than completely indifferent, to see him despite their little tiff, he had his dignity to maintain. I only hope it wasn't too taxing, sir. Taxing! Vader contrived by inflection alone to evoke the image of a health and safety inspector who had just discovered a severed human appendage in his Giju stew. You may find it taxing to maintain the elevated standards I have instituted in your absence. No doubt, sir. He eyed the hydrospanner. All while finding time for side projects, I see. Indeed, said Vader. Since executing the duties of commander, occupying a mere 30% of the regular duty shift, one wonders what it is you do with the remaining time. He swooped past, cape flagging out magnificently in his wake. Piet glanced at Venka and found the captain's face performing a complicated cubist ballet of terror and bewilderment. Taking pity on the man, he cleared his throat. That'll be all, Captain. I shall brief Lord Vader and join you on the bridge shortly. While Venka retreated in the turbo lift, Piet followed Vader into the hangar and stopped dead at his tracks. Docked next door to Vader's shuttle, there was now an additional Lambda, hull number Delta 3 Auric Auric, to be precise, otherwise known as Shuttle Incomium, a fact which he knew because it was his shuttle. Or rather, it had been. His shuttle, all of it but the actual hull, 
was now the enormous, tottering pyramid of cannibalized engine components, wires, bolts, struts, illumination nodes, hoses, cables, conduits, panels, insulation, gaskets, fuses, tanks, switches, housing, pipes, loop cans, grating struts, fuel lines, entire dorsal foil assembly, racks, washers, magnetic seal kits, panels, and one enormous securing wing nut, labeled in reflective neon orange characters, danger structural support element, do not detach, Situated three meters on the wrong side of the safe working radius dictated by Imperial Navy safety regulations. Looking at it gave Piet the distinct sensation that a suction pump was slurping every milliliter of blood out of his cardiovascular system. Somehow he managed to stagger around to the shuttle's aft, where Lord Vader was feeding the double-length hydro spanner into the sublight engine exhaust valve, right past the prismatic yellow warning sticker and its graphic diagram of a limb being severed. Why in hells couldn't the man have picked any of the other fifty shuttles on the ship to eviscerate? I see you've been, um, productive, sir. More than can be said for your service, crew, said Vader, still banging the hydro spanner around in the shuttle's innocent entrails. They have been severely lax in the upkeep of this vessel. Kent glowered at the pile of inorganic offal nearby. I imagine they shan't have much trouble accessing all the components now, sir. You have no cause for complaint. Something inside the exhaust valve went spang. I have installed new sunlight fuel cells, optimized engine performance, and recalibrated control sensitivity to combat grade standards, as well as completing numerous interior upgrades. Provided your flight crew does not rival your service crew for ineptitude, you will find it a vastly superior transport than before. No said Piet mutinously. I'll find it vastly faster than before, sir. That is what I said. There was a sort of strange sucking noise from somewhere in the ship's bowels. Vader's arm shot backwards out of the valve an instant before both sublight engines suddenly shrieked to life and the exhaust van whipped into motion. Piet jumped like a stung Ewok and fought the urge to jam his fingers in his ears. No proper Lambda shuttle was supposed to scream like a TIE interceptor. Finally! Vader glanced up at the huge chrono embedded in the hangar wall over the control office's bay viewport, eyed the empty pad assigned to his son's ship, and made a disgusted noise. When, or if, my son returns, you will relay to him this message. Size may matter not, but time does. He started sharply round the shuttle, making for the ramp, and Piet had to scamper after him. Where is Marta Skywalker, sir? Planet side, Vader said, attending to Jedi business. Well, that certainly explained a lot. I'm sure he'll be back shortly, sir. And as a matter of fact, while you have a few moments... I do not, said Vader, already tapping in the access code. The scheduled launch is in five minutes, and I have no wish to renegotiate it with the New Republic Navy and the System Defense Force. Piet scowled at his back not about to be ranked second behind his own Frankenstein shuttle. I shall be happy to take that responsibility myself, sir, as if it would take more than five minutes to reschedule a simple shuttle flight. But I have important information to relay to you, and as Master Skywalker is not yet here to act as co-pilot, Vader wheeled on him. Since you are so desirous of my attention, perhaps I should have you fulfill that role in his place. Piet practically felt his hackles rising. Like hells was he going to be threatened out of the way that easily. It'd be my pleasure, sir, he retorted. Indeed it will, Vader purred. Damn the big smug bastard. If he hadn't been threatening Piet out of the way, he'd been baiting him into it. You'd think he'd know after all this time that Darth Criffing Vader didn't bluff. 
Criffing Sith Lords and their psychotic manipulative games. Criffing Skywalkers never around when you needed them. I presume you have not forgotten how to transmit a flight packet, Vader boomed, leading the way up the ramp. Piet jammed his cap on, furiously storming after him. No, sir. Once a commsman, always a commsman, sir. Nevertheless, seeing as the last time he'd acted as a shuttle comms officer, he'd been a wet-behind-the-ears petty officer on his first tour of duty in the Imperial Navy, and the shuttle in question had been a stodgy old Theta class, he took a surreptitious moment to reorient himself to the station layout while booting up the console. Fortunately, Sinar's operating interfaces hadn't really changed much since the start of the Empire. Course data entered. Vader, occupying the pilot station like a god enthroned, was of course light-years ahead of him. Entered and confirmed. A switch on the nav station threw itself at the flick of his finger, streaming the course coordinates and formulas to Piet's console. Renewed irritation powered Piet into overdrive, slot course data in the packet, pull manifest, revise, add him, drop Skywalker, overwrite log, copy to packet, pull system status report from flight engineering. System status reports check, sir. Packet ready for sealed, said Vader, thumb already leaving the scanner, initiating sublight warm-up cycle. Acknowledge. Piet selected the appropriate recipients, Iraidu System Defense, the NRN's flagship Guardian, and the Ladies' Bridge, and queued the packet for transmission. Shuttle Encomium to Executor, stand by for flight packet. There was a rather surprised silence from the bridge as Comscan tried to work out why its admiral was, as Ben Skywalker would certainly have put it, paying fi. Acknowledged, sir. Uh, Encomium, came the answer finally. Packet received and logged in Comium standby for launch authorization. Acknowledge, Executor. He thumbed back in his seat and shot a pointed look sideways at Vader. I see you have retained your lessons in small craft operation. <laughs> a concession. Piet allowed himself a slight smile and relaxed his posture a little. Those to do with comms duties, at least. Vader's mask regarded him balefully. Perhaps we should also test those pertaining to piloting, since you are certified on small craft up to 500 K-tons. It was alarming how much the man remembered sometimes, but Vader would sooner drop dead than stoop to playing passenger while an inferior pilot embarrassed himself at the controls, inferior being defined by him as anyone in the known universe, with the possible exception of Luke Skywalker, so Piet put on a cool, bold face. If you like, sir. Conversation fell back to the bare operational minimum for a few minutes. The ESD called in clearance, Fidelity pinged acknowledgement of flight packet receipt, and Comscan overcame its befuddlement long enough to send them the launch authorization. Piet logged everything as fast as he could, but was still making entries when Vader sent the thing roaring out of the hangar and rammed him back into his seat with a stifled curse. Payback for not being sufficiently intimidated, probably. Black amusement seemed to be emanating from Vader's side of the cockpit. He peeled his lips open with some difficulty. Quite the turn of foot you've given her, sir. It is acceptable. Translation, it was fast enough not to bore him to tears. Which meant its innards no longer bore the slightest resemblance to a standard Lambda shuttle. Which meant Piet's desk was probably already inundated with excruciatingly detailed reports from irate techs who couldn't make heads or tails of what Lord Vader had done to their vessel. The lady's ventral beam blazed by overhead dead center of the viewport, her ported starboard sidewalls narrowing, then nothing ahead but open space, alive with stars. Piet clutched his armrest with another strangled obscenity as Vader gunned the sublight engine clear into the red zone. More than acceptable, I'd say, sir, he grunted, 
I suppose it'd be asking too much to keep our speed within the standard operating parameters. This is a test flight. Assessing the limits of the shuttle's sublight performance is the primary objective. You might have mentioned that before we left, sir. You were under no compulsion to accompany me. I am well aware of your distaste for such activities. I don't mind flying, Piet said stubbornly. Just suicide. Vader shot him a sharp look, as though Piet had said something he shouldn't. Just as abruptly he turned back to the console. If you lack faith in my ability to control this ship. Not lack of faith so much as survival reflex. The ship plunged into a combat speed 8G arc around one of Ariadu's orbital factories, constricting his chest. I haven't your tolerance for this sort of thing. It was that a hundred thousand clicks per second they were moving at now. His vision was going dark and fuzzy at the edges. Maybe he'd seen an extra zero or two. What G-force were they up to? Perhaps Vader realized that he was going to knock his Admiral out in another few seconds if he didn't make some modifications to his lead foot. Perhaps he just felt he'd gotten his point across. At any rate, Piet felt the acceleration slow, and the pressure pinning him to his seat back lessened considerably as the centripetal force abated. His vision brightened again. Now he could make out dingy lights gritted over the night-side surface of the factory satellite as they completed their flyby and hurled onward toward the outer system. Reflexively, he checked the readouts against the flight plan coordinates, but they were, of course, dead on the money, probably less than three meters of variation. Vader was a legend for his accuracy and precision, and it went without saying for his speed. There was supposed to be a four-hour flight according to the manifest he'd revised moments ago, but they were already two minutes ahead of their scheduled ETA, and they'd only been underway for ten. What is our time to the inner belt? Vader asked the universe. Piet wiped a hand over his eyes to clear the last fog out of his head and squinted at the Navicomp. About forty-five minutes at our present velocity, my lord. The Ariadu system featured three quite large asteroid belts, all mines to feed the planet's insatiable factories. As flying through asteroid fields was the sort of thing only complete imbeciles like Han Solo did, the local authorities maintained safe distance channels at strategic points through each belt. He'd better establish contact with the nearest channel station to schedule their transit. Belay that, Vader ordered, as his hand moved toward the comm stud. You had a matter of urgency to discuss, as I understand. Important, sir, Piet corrected mildly. Not urgent, per se. Very well, Vader said with scathing condescension. What was so important that you could not wait a mere four hours to address it? Not me, sir, Piet said obstinately. It's a message from your... from the princess. Vader turned wholly away from the viewport and stared at him, though their course held perfectly true. From the princess. He sounded as bewildered as Piet confronted with the flight panel. Yes, my lord. She entrusted it to me to deliver to you just before I left Coruscant. He unbuckled his crash webbing and extracted the little security case from his jacket pocket, holding it toward Vader so that the biometric lock was convenient to access. She said that it was a personal message for you. Vader did not take it. He stared at the case for several seconds, then again at Piet. The princess sent a personal message to me. Forms did it, I believe. The tension in Vader's posture unwound a notch or two. He held out an open hand for the case and sat back in the seat, flying casually with one hand while examining the case in his usual terse manner, turning it this way and that, noting its complete lack of distinguishing traits. Forms it from whom? She gave me to understand that it was from somebody called Mos Esper, my lord. Is everything all right? 
Vader's hand had lapsed from the controls. The shuttle had already drifted four clicks off course, unheard of sloppiness by his standards. His gaze did not budge from the case, now trembling slightly atop his palm. Or is that Piet's imagination? My lord, is something... Somewhere. Sir? Mos Espa is a town. Vader's hand closed slowly over the case. No, Piet was not imagining the tremble. And his thumb pressed the biometric lock. Somewhere, not someone. The end of the case sliced open on its swivel hinge, and Vader drew out an ancient, battered recorder. The thing had to be a century out of date. Bulky, cracked at one end, paint sandblasted away. It did not have a voice interface, just old-fashioned buttons marked with exotic graphemes that could be letters of an outer rim alphabet, or stylized icons from an obscure culture, or something else entirely for all Piet could read them. Vader sat running his fingertips over its humble contours as if over the face of a lover, controls forgotten, universe forgotten. I... see, sir, Piet swallowed, eyeing the flight path as it continued to skew. Thirty clicks off course now. I beg your pardon, my lord, but our heading seems to be... Vader threw a switch on the console, and Piet gave a startled yelp as his side of the board sprouted a host of new indicator lights. Fly, he ordered. The next instant, he had vanished into the crew cabin, and Piet was left staring at the controls, trying to remember how you told a throttle apart from an accelerator. Well, he muttered to himself under his breath, that went well. All right, all right. It was a Sinar. Just another Sinar. One cockpit array was never that much different from another. Even the lady relied on the same general pattern, which embarrassingly was more helpful to him than attempting to recollect his long-ago training on an actual small craft like this one. Thrusters, reverse thrusters, foils, pitch, directional thrusters. All right. All right. It wasn't going to be that bad. Once he blew the rust off, he'd be fine. It wasn't like there was anything to run into, and surely, surely Lord Vader would be back before they hit that asteroid belt in thirty minutes or so. Right. Right. First things first. Get her back on the right heading. Piet gripped his port directional thrusts and waggled his pitch control to get a feel for damn she was touchy. He thought it was a smallish nudge, but the shuttle nipped sideways, like a spring-jumping cricket fish of Samuna, and promptly overshot her course in the opposite direction. Swearing under his breath, Piet corrected her the other way. It took a dozen tries to calibrate his feel for those damned sensitive directionals and get the shuttle back on a level plane within the standard five-click variation of the flight path. Anyone watching on their scanners had to be laughing their fool heads off at his clumsy antics. We'll criff them. This hair-trigger level of responsiveness in the controls could only be another of Vader's outrageous moon-jockey modifications. The deck reverberated under his feet as something slammed into it at speed. Something inside. His hands sprang forward without waiting for his brain, releasing his crash webbing. His feet threw him out of the seat, around the stations, through the gangway, into the crew cabin, where Vader where Vader sprawled on the deck on his side, light spasming on his chest control panel, one hand opening and closing like the gills of a beached fish, the other clinging to the recorder as it played its message, his eyes rolled back into his head, unfocused and dilated. Where the hell was his mask? Piet cast frantically about the cabin, but neither helmet nor mask was anywhere to be seen. All he heard in the silence was a faint, organic rasping. What was he going to do? What the hell? Do we do if something happens to him? Seventeen years ago, the midnight medbay meeting, him and Vanka and the assistant surgeon, 
After that hull breach killed Dr. Siler, the only one who'd been allowed to treat Vader, who'd known how to maintain his complicated life support systems. What do we do if something happens to the suit? What is our contingency plan? He darted forward, through the blue haze of the hologram playing from the recorder over Vader's legs, wrenched an emergency mask from the life support rack and connected it to the emergency oxygen tube at the medical bunk set in the forward bunkhead. Back to Vader, he seized the man by the wrists, hauled him over the deck within reach of the short tube, shoving him upright against the bulkhead he fumbled for the breath mask on the bunk, wedged it under the interior mouthpiece of the suit over his mouth and nose, adjusted the strap carefully around the ragged, gashed scars at the back of his head. He leapt back to his feet, eyes racing over the control panel beside the bunk. There, oxygen flow, atmospheric mix, standard or enriched. Enriched, he'd been without airflow for at least two or three minutes now, maybe longer. It stuttered. He slammed the bulkhead, a swift inrush of breath. Then out. In. Out. In. Out. In. Piet closed his eyes and sagged against the bulkhead, feeling a sudden burning in his upper body muscles. Whatever Vader weighed, it was much more than Firmus W. Piet was used to lifting, more than he thought he could lift. Did I just interrupt a suicide attempt? It was the only logical conclusion. Except it made no sense, because Vader wouldn't just quit like that, would he? He certainly hadn't come aboard with that intention. What in hells could have been in that message to cause such a sudden, such an extreme reaction? To believe there are times when he truly misses your mischief. Piet turned around and saw the hologram, still playing determinedly from the battered recorder clenched in Vader's unconscious hand. The speaker was a woman, dark-haired, dark-eyed, very like the princess indeed except there was nothing of the princess's regal air about her. Her ragged, coarse, homespun and bent posture suggested a life of long, hard days, sharp words, blisters, sweat. But behind her hung the stars in their glorious, endless array, as they could only be seen from space or from a desert. Annie, this tire is for you. I know you'll be gone a long time, and that you'll be very lonely at times, so will I. This diary is so that when you come home someday, you'll know you're always in my heart. But your destiny lies in the stars. You will achieve great things in the galaxy, Anakin. I have known that from the moment you were born. His mother. Dear gods, the princess had sent Vader a hollow letter from his dead mother. He didn't know what part of that sentence struck him as the most improbable that Vader had a mother, or that the princess had had a letter of hers, or that she had somehow brought herself to give it to the father she so resented. You must never believe you were mistaken to leave Tatooine. Wherever you go, you carry my love with— A faint groan snapped his attention away from the hologram. Vader was planting a shaky hand, pushing himself a little further up. My lord, are you all right? He dropped to one achy old knee next to his commander so as to get a better look at his... his face. White, mostly. The skin pale and flaky as crumbling mortar holding together his bald scalp, mangled cheek, and scar-bound lips. Startling red jumped out here and there, at the corners of the mouth just visible through the clear plastic of the breath mask, the corneas of the eyes, the deep furrows of the worst scars making them look like still raw wounds. Blue, too. 
the eyes he'd given his son and grandson only milkier, unfocused from their retinal damage, and a still dashing scar over the right eyebrow. Piet wetted his lips, nervous and still. The blue eyes tracked him as best they could, looking almost hunted, like a wild thing cornered by the calf hounds. Between them, the recorder continued looping through the message. Piet reached out and turned it off. I'm... Can you hear me, sir? Breath in, breath out. Then a laborious nod. Are you all right? Should I adjust the oxygen flow settings? I'm not sure what you... It is... Adequate. He felt his heart stutter. If it weren't for the rest of the armor, he would have thought a magician had spirited another man into the ship while his back was turned. The voice, a frail rasp, the ruin of the pleasant tenor in the recording the solo twins had shown him, labored to be heard at all. Tenor, that just wasn't right. His hand dropped away from Vader's shoulder, as if he had been touching a corpse at a wake. Impressed, Vader wheezed. It was strange being able to read his meaning so clearly. The damaged face was as freely expressive as the mask was impassive. Everything set out plainly. Bitterness, self-contempt, acidic humor, shame. Yes, sir, he said quietly. I doubt anyone else could have done it. Done? What? Lived, sir. He sat back on his heel. Cards, what must it have taken to keep going after such unspeakable injury? He wanted to say more. You're amazing. You're a miracle. You're twice as strong as I ever thought. How did you carry all that and all of us at the same time? But he knew, looking at those eyes, that the one thing Lord Vader couldn't bear was sincere praise. Even the little he'd already said it but a haunted look on his face. Pient cleared his throat. What happened? The question startled him. Perhaps it even frightened him. It is of no consequence. It was long ago. Oh, God, he thought I was asking about... I meant, what happened just now, sir? Vader's fogged eyes drifted down towards the recorder, sitting innocently in his hand as if it hadn't nearly been the death of a man whom entire armies and the very forces of nature had failed to kill. He stared at it in dead silence. He was not going to answer, of course. Piet swallowed and scanned the cabin again, ostensibly looking for the missing helmet and mask. In fact, he was just glad for something else to think about. He finally spotted the mask, wedged in the shadows under a seat on the opposite side, and the helmet rolled into a corner under a conduit. He wondered whether they still worked. I couldn't hear her. It was barely a whisper. Sir? He gestured at his head vaguely. The helmet distorts sound. I had to hear her myself. The helmet distorts sound? You nearly died, sir! In a flash fire of outrage, Piet didn't even notice he'd started using his damn fool ensign's voice. You couldn't have waited until we got back to the lady. In your chamber, surely? No. Vader would not look him in the eye, but his vehemence startled Piet's anger into hiding even so. I was nine years old when I left her. I only saw her once again, a few minutes before. Piet fell silent. He knew that look, 
that dead ground in weight that meant too much grief carried too long. God knew he'd seen it often enough, sometimes in his own mirror. You didn't apologize to a look like that. I had no image of her, no token, nothing, nothing. His voice evaporated to nothing. It was a fool thing to do, the kind of thing that under normal circumstances would have been noted on the post-mortem as suicide by proxy, but Piet reached instinctively to grip the hand that still lay limp on the deck. Bader didn't seem to notice one way or the other. More machine than man. What an imbecile he'd been to think so. Machines didn't accidentally kill themselves out of sheer desperation to hear the voice of a loved one long gone. How did she come by this? The princess? How? She didn't tell me. He wished he'd thought to ask. Why? What reason did she give for sending it? He shook his head slowly. None, at least not that she said aloud. Vader hefted himself up a little more. And what did she say by other means? Well, I'm a mind reader. Piet applauded himself for the tiny huff of disgust this elicited. But I'm confident she didn't mean it as any sort of accusation. He offered a wry smile. She didn't seem to be looking forward to it enough for that. Vader inhaled laboriously. The emergency mask clearly wasn't as robust as his own respirator. He made no answer. Surely there was something more Piet could say, some sliver of hope to offer, however faint. Perhaps she merely wanted to honor her grandmother's wishes. Vader's dim eyes wandered past Piet and found the mask lying on the desk across the cabin. It stared back at him, one dead man to another. He licked his lips, moistening them enough to speak again. Then she has done far more than I. What to say to that? Anakin Skywalker had indeed achieved great things in the galaxy, but not the way that that gentle, devoted woman had dreamt he would, as even Piet could tell on his mere seconds of acquaintance with her. Azul, Nida, the Jedi younglings. Such stories would have broken that woman's heart, worse than foolish to suggest otherwise, or try to gloss it over or argue in his defense. While that left only the truth to work with, he didn't know what good it would do, but on the other hand, what could it possibly hurt? Same here, sir. My mother was beside herself when I joined the actual anti pirate force. He eased down properly on the deck so as to take the weight off his increasingly irritated knee. They don't think much of the military life back home, you see. If I'd a desecrate for every time she told me I was throwing my life away for no good reason, didn't I want to get married? What about children? Hells, I could have retired a year after I started. He smiled wistfully. Then I signed on with the Imperial Navy proper, and she cried for a month straight, I believe. Maida remained so silent that if it had been anyone else, Piet would have assumed him so lost in thought he hadn't heard a word. Impossible, of course. Vader never missed anything, though he noticed much that he did not consider worthy of acknowledgment, well, so be it. He'd never claimed to be a Luke Skywalker, and at least he'd tried. What would she have preferred? Piet's eyes snapped up in complete surprise. Vader was still staring at his own mask. She, um, she'd rather had her heart set on me taking over my great-uncle's business.
Your great uncle's business. He uh, ran a greenhouse. He really should have stopped there, but what the hell? Exotic flowers, mostly. There was a dead silence for five solid seconds, and then a weak, coughing laugh burst onto the stage. Exotic flowers. Vader wheezed. Piet tried to keep a straight face. I don't see what's so funny. Perfectly respectable line of work, horticulture. Another laugh got free of Vader, and then Piet was chuckling himself. The idea of him back on Axilla, arranging bouquets or chandrel and orchids for a living, after all they'd been through. No doubt, Vader managed. Nevertheless, I'm glad you avoided it. A thought which has given me valuable motivation for the last twenty-five years, Piet agreed, and wonder of wonders, Vader laughed again. She came round a bit more when my sister had children. Amazing the effect grandchildren can have. He ventured a casual wink. But I dare say you'll find that out yourself soon enough. Vader's amusement wilted. They would do better never to meet me. Fat chance of that. I imagine they'd have to be put in shackles somewhere in the deep core to stop them mobbing you. Even then, it'd probably only buy you a month or two. He got to his feet and headed off to retrieve the mask from under the bench. Can't imagine when they get it from, sir. That is no mystery, said Vader. It is clearly Solo's influence. Ah, yes. Piet collected the helmet and carried it back. Those obstinate, band-the-headed Carillions. What else could it be? Vader pointed at him. You are taking liberties. Just trying to prepare you for the future, sir. Shove it! A tremendous thump struck the hull. Piet shoved mask and helmet at Vader and sprinted for the cockpit, thudding into his seat as another micrometeor thunked off the deflector shields he'd fortunately left running. They had drifted into the outer arm of the asteroid belt, and the comm station was flashing furiously with a backlog of messages, probably warnings from the system patrol, the lady, the EDF, the New Republic. What a right pair of fools they'd look. If they didn't die, that was. Piet seized the controls but his intended harder port out of the asteroid belt had become a harder starboard into it as he was forced to evade a hurtling train of meteors walling them in and then a planetoid-sized one skewing down from above and then a vaporous blast of gravelly haze. Why did you not switch it to autopilot before abandoning the controls? Vader dropped into view. Mask and helmet and spine-chilling base all back in order, a going concern once more. I was a bit preoccupied. A stellar gust rattled them sideways, Piet wrestling the controls for dear life to stop them smashing into solid ore. By the fact that you were dying, sir, that is no excuse for handling a ship irresponsibly. Dive! Piet jammed the pitch control forward, plunging them below an incoming asteroid just careening out of his blind spot. And I would have been no less dead had a large asteroid impacted us. I stand corrected. Piet strained at the forward thrusters as the ship shaved past a city-sized obstruction. Now perhaps, sir, if you're ready to resume control of- I think not. Vader actually honest to God's crossed his arms and leaned back in his seat. It is obvious that you are in need of the practice. Piet gaped at him for the quarter second he felt he could spare his attention from the gauges. Last I checked, small craft piloting wasn't on the skill set requirements for admirals. There is no reason for allowing any of your training to lapse. Pick up your speed. This is a navy shuttle, not a nursing home airbus. Why have you not longed any flight time in recent years? Because I was trying to stitch a Super Star Destroyer together with spit and space tape, sir! 
That is not an acceptable excuse. When you return, Veerport, you may expect to attend weekly retraining sessions with the shuttle flight crew. Just so long as it isn't with you, Pierce snapped. Do not think that what has transpired between us entitles you to address me with disrespect, Admiral. Just so long as it isn't with you, sir. Better. The text of this story can be found on AO3 and fanfiction.net. The music is Guitar Blues by Sylvester Weaver. Special thanks to Sakiko. For more stories that I've read, visit my website at samgabrielvo.com. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.